I don't know if you remember the day where ChatGPT first came on your radar. For me, it was the, my birthday, the, the, the 13th of January of this year. And I've never gone through a day since where the word ChatGPT or AI hasn't been uttered by someone on one of my calls. And age reversal, the ability to regenerate organs, things that were nothing but a, a dream for the history of humanity are about to become reality. Now, they're still below the water surface. Uh, age reversal, uh, uh, ChatGPT was around for three years before it raised above the water surface. And COVID was around for many months before it raised above the, the water surface. I don't know precisely when that's going to happen to this, but when it does, it's going to uh, begin the process of the most dr uh, dramatic uh, change, improvement, and disruption in humanity. Welcome to American Greens. My guest today is Richard Rossi. Richard, welcome to today's show. Happy to be here. So, Richard, you have a, a very colorful uh, past, a lot of entrepreneurial um, you know, paths that you've taken in life. And so I'm really excited to hear uh, from you today about how you got to where you are today. So if we could start maybe a, a little bit on um, yeah, giving us some of your background of, you know, from college, your major and and then, uh, you know, your, your path after, after graduation. Absolutely. Well, I came to Washington, D.C. to go to Georgetown University. And um, uh, about a year later, I started working in the United States Senate as a staff person. And I actually went to school at night and spent nine, six years getting through college and nine years working in the United States Senate. Uh, after that, I started my first business, uh, and I've been an entrepreneur ever since. So I like to say I've never really been employed because I don't think working in the Senate really counts. It's a very unique environment. My first business, actually, when I was uh, 28 years old, was um, creating the first computerized system for political campaigns that up to that point had been keeping all of their records on three by five cards and little, you know, file folders. And we looked to completely automate that. Uh, and we did that successfully. We had several clients and then we failed spectacularly. Uh, and while that was unfortunate, it did give me an MBA the hard way. Long story but I became very interested in high achieving young people uh, with some of the work I did for my senator. And I had an opportunity with a partner to create a company that would bring young people, high achieving high school students to Washington DC to learn about democracy. And we tried it. Uh, we actually used direct mail Yes, folks, direct mail. And uh, I had $2,500. She had $2,500. Uh, we did one direct mailing to the schools. If it had failed, we'd all just have gone home. And it worked. 
And uh, anyone that's in the direct mail or direct response business knows that's uh, incredibly unusual to have the first try work, but it did. And, um, and it, we grew slowly from there over a number of years where we were then creating programs for high school students on leadership and self-improvement. We then went down to the fourth and fifth grade. We went up to junior high school. We went to college. We went overseas. And over the course of about 20 years, 23 years, we built a, what I would call, big little business. We had about $150 million a year in revenue, 250 employees, three stories of a building that had our name on it. It was, it was really going well. Uh, and then uh, at a certain point, my business partner became ill and she's 25 years older than me. And uh, around 2010, we decided we needed to sell the business. So uh, in 2011, we sold it uh, uh, to a uh, investment company out of uh, San Francisco. And uh, that was a whole podcast in and of itself. The, uh, the, the joys and the horrors of selling a company. Uh, but it, we did it. And I sat out a two-year non-compete agreement. And then I decided I still wanted to help these amazing, incredible, fantastic, high-achieving high school kids. And I decided I wanted to do something that was bigger, shorter, less expensive, more intense. And I went with the idea, just came at to me out of nowhere, as almost all my ideas do, of a stadium event. Uh, you might remember or know of Tony Robbins, and Tony does these huge events uh, for thousands and thousands of young uh, of adults. And I thought, why can't I reproduce this with young people? So we rented a stadium in, outside Boston, Massachusetts, and we recruited thousands of high school students who were interested in becoming doctors and medical scientists and their parents. And we brought them all into this stadium, 9,300 people. And we put on the stage the biggest names in the world, uh, Nobel laureates, deans of medical schools, great inventors, young geniuses. We broadcast in a live surgery. But most important of all, we brought together thousands of high school kids who had a passion for becoming doctors and medical scientists, for helping humanity. And um, we put them in an environment where they could inspire each other. A lot of them are nerds and geeks and feel a little out of their own skin in their hometown and in their school. But they arrived here and all of a sudden they were with their people, thousands of others who thought they were cool and thought what they were doing was cool. And uh, in just two and a half days, we created this amazing transformative experience called the Congress of Future Medical Leaders. And, um, and it really did show them how big their future could be and showed them the path of how to get there and showed them how to fight fear and showed them that the only place where failure is not okay is in school because in school, failure is enough. But in life, as you and I and all the listeners know, Failure is absolutely uh, essential. It's market research. So getting them to 
fight fear, to understand failure, to see Nobel laureates talk about how many times they failed before they succeeded. Long story short, it became kind of a cross between a TED conference, a Tony Robbins event, a rock concert, this love-in for science. Uh, and and I'm still doing that every year. We went uh, virtual for a few years because of COVID, but now we're coming back live. But it's, uh, it's two and a half of the best days of my year for sure. And as I got older, I started getting very interested in what at the time was called um, healthy aging. And something incredible happened over the period of 20 years where I started getting interested in this. And that's healthy aging started to morph into longevity. And then longevity started morphing into actual age reversal. And um, so I, I don't know if you remember the day where the word COVID came first onto your radar. I remember it distinctly. It was the 12th of March uh, of 2020. And from that day forward, I don't think a day went by for two years where I didn't hear the word COVID. And I don't know if you remember the day where chat GPT first came on your radar. For me, it was the my birthday, the, the, the 13th of January of this year. And I've never gone through a day since where the word chat GPT or AI hasn't been uttered by someone on one of my calls. And age reversal, the ability to regenerate organs, things that were nothing but a, a dream for the history of humanity are about to become reality. Now, they're still below the water surface. Uh, age reversal, uh, um, chat GPT was around for three years before it raised above the water surface. And COVID was around for many months before it raised above the, the water surface. I don't know precisely when that's going to happen to this, but when it does, it's going to uh, begin the process of the most dr uh, dramatic uh, change, improvement, and disruption in humanity. So I went two directions. Uh, the first is I created a mastermind for 50 people to study this so we would always know what to do, who to trust, and how to get to the front of the line because things are moving so fast right now. We need to separate the signal from the noise. We need to be able to very effectively figure out what we should do. Uh, and I, I thought, gosh, that's too expensive for me to do on my own. I better share that with a bunch of folks so we can bring the greatest minds in the world in. And we do. And then separate from that, and lastly, I decided to start the world's first trade show for the regenerative and rejuvenative medicine industry. And just to be clear, uh, re rejuvenative means age reversal. If you look it up in the dictionary, it's a medical term, the synonym of which is age reversal. And then regenerative medicine is where we take parts of your body that are not capable of regenerating themselves, your heart, your kidney, and we actually create modalities by which the body can heal those organs. And that 
will change the world in and of itself. Uh, just the kidney alone, when you think of the number of people who die and have disease, we're within five years of being able to cure kidney disease. And that will change the lives of many, many tens of millions of people around the year, around the world every year. So it's an incredibly, incredibly exciting time, uh, a, a time um, uh, of transition from theory to reality, from uh, the laboratory to actual people. And um, I don't know when it's going to be that day where it comes on the average person's radar, but when it does, it will never go away again. And that's my life in six minutes. Well, Richard, it's an amazing path that you've uh, you've crossed in life and and built. The uh, couple of follow up questions here, though, I'm kind of curious. Your first event, filling ninety three hundred people into a stadium, it had to be a little nerve wracking. Uh, every entrepreneur tries to hedge their risk. Uh, how did you, how did you go about building that community uh, to ensure success on the first try? Well, I had a big advantage, and that was coming out of my previous company. I had, over a period of decades, figured out how to get young people to actually do this, to make a purchase, to show up. Um, we're a tax-paying organization. We're not a nonprofit. And um, we still, and I, I just everyone who's watching and listening should just hang on to the side of their table for a minute. Yes, we still sell through direct mail. And uh, we've developed over decades a highly effective way to do that. And I left the old company with that knowledge. So think about the advantage I had. I knew my audience. I knew how to get to my audience. And I knew how to convince my audience to do what I hoped that they would do. So my chances of success going into this were much higher than someone that was starting from ground zero. As to going on to the uh, as to the size of the whole thing, um, I also, over the years, had learned how to put on events. That's all we did in the old company was put on one event after another after another. So I knew how to put together a great event team. And at the end of the day, there's only three parts to a business. There's the selling part, there's the delivering part, and then there's the operational part of the business. That's it. Uh, business large, business small, those are the three parts. Uh, but when I started this business, I said to my initial staff, and I've said to every staff person ever since, the most important thing we do in this company is not inspire young people, it's not change the world, it's not show their parents how to help their kids, it's Marketing, 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 marketing is the most important thing we do in this company. Why? Because, 
until you sell something, not a life is changed and not a dollar is earned. Every life is changed through marketing. So everybody in this company thinks a little differently than in many companies where marketing is a necessary evil or it's an afterthought or if it's a, it's something that isn't properly invested in. It's the most invested, the most important thing we do. And as to the stage, well, it's interesting you ask that because I'm the moderator. So for the first time in my life, I had to hold an audience and get on a stage with 9,000 people. And I was beyond nervous. I was a wreck. And I decided, well, here's what I'll do. I'll take all my key points and I'll put them on a huge piece of paper. I'll start on the left side of the stage and I'll put them down one after another and after another in really big letters. And if worse comes to worst, I'll just walk to the left side of the stage and I'll just start going through the notes, go to the next one, go through the notes, go to the next one, go through the notes, and I'll survive that way. Well, I, I did start that. And then about two hours into the first day, I said, you know, I'm pretty good at this. I'm actually not that nervous at all now that I'm on the stage. In fact, they're loving me and I'm loving them. And it's at that moment that I realized in my 60s that I had a skill I never knew I had, never knew I had. And that was the ability to effectively um, be put on a great show and be the person that could inspire uh, a room of that many people. And there's two parts to that. One is the content part, but much more important is the ability to actually hold the room, to be able to hold their attention, to not lose them. And I discovered I have that natural ability. Who knew? Well, you got a, a new conference coming up. I guess it's into the future, about a year away of longevity. Um, as you, I want to kind of get in your head right now, Richard, with Astromind and everything else. We're, we're going through some fascinating times of medical advancements. We're not quite there yet. But when you're trying to plan a conference into the future, 12 months away, which is an eternity based on how quickly uh, technology is changing now. How do you go about that to make sure that at the time of the conference, you have the most current information there could be for the audience? Well, that's a wonderful question. The, the, the companies that are being invited to be part of this trade show, this Congress, this event, um, they're, they're not brand new. They've been around a while. And um, as I said, many of them have been engaged quietly in clinical research for years and some for decades. Uh, this is, this, <laughs> when you talk about age reversal or you talk about regenerative medicine, this is incredibly complicated. It's incredibly difficult. Uh, and you'd be amazed. Hundreds and hundreds of these companies have tremendous backing from the venture capital community. 
a number of them are public companies. Um, and even though they started years ago, this incredible moment has, has come, this inflection point where all of their work seems to be coming to a head pretty much at the same time. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. So what's happening is for many of these companies, they're now able to say, we're almost ready. Are you almost ready? Yeah. And then all come together and collaborate based on the fact that they are getting very close. Now, these are not, I want to be extremely clear about this. These are not supplement companies. These are not companies making devices that are for sale on on, on uh, Amazon. These are hardcore science companies doing FDA trials. All of this is by the books. Um, and then there are a whole bunch of companies below them that are younger and newer and just starting out and doing incredible things. So the first time around will be for the two or 300 big boys, the ones that are leading the way and have been leading the way for quite a while now. And for the big, big names that are associated with that. And then as we grow, we will include more and more of the newbies and start going overseas because so much of the important work is being done over there. Um, but it's, it's just really important for me to uh, impress on, on everyone listening today that this is not science fiction. This is not hucksterism. This is hard science. And the things that will be made available to you for the most part are going to be FDA approved um, um, interventions. So if I'm going to rejuvenate a kidney, it's going to be done with an FDA approved um, modality. But it's, it's all coming together. That is the thing that, that makes it so incredible. And I should also mention that I've been around a while and I missed a lot of the things that have changed the world. I was kind of asleep at the wheel when the, uh, when, uh, the personal computer was invented. I uh, was asleep at the wheel when the World Wide Web was invented. Uh, I was asleep at the wheel for many of the things that have changed the world since I was born. But I'm not asleep at the wheel for this one. I am right there at, the, at this incredible moment, and I feel so blessed to be there. So, Richard, how, does the, how, do, how do the listeners connect into your community to stay abreast of the, the conference and what's developing? Well, the conference, um, the, the abbreviation for it's got a long name, Regenerative Rejuvenative in Industry Trade Show and Congress, but it's, it abbreviates to th three characters. R, two, M is in Mary, R2M, 
org. And if listeners go to that site, they can then um, get onto a list where we will send them information every month or two to keep them up to speed as to what's going on. If they have a, a much greater interest in actually uh, knowing precisely what's going on in, in this world, there's an option to get every week or two a newsletter that, that summarizes what's been happening because you're absolutely right. Uh, things are happening uh, so fast that it's hard to keep track sometimes. Uh, and then if you have uh, folks that have high school students who are interested in medicine and they'd like to learn more about the Congress of Future Medical Leaders, they can go to Future Docs, D-O-C-S, futuredocs.com. Uh, Richard, it's been a pleasure having you with us today on American Dreams. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I look forward to keeping in touch and uh, as things develop with this conference for the spring of 2024.